All right, here we go. Inching closer and closer to Saturday, Wednesday of OU Texas Week. Three days out until kickoff for the big game in the Cotton Bowl. And how about it, text line? How has our uh, confidence looked like today compared to early in the week? Text line 405-651-3439. Have we gotten more confident as the week has gone on? Have we gotten less confident as the week has gone on? Or did you wake up on Sunday and say, now nah, we're going to dominate Texas, and you still feel that way on Wednesday? Let us know. We'll get to uh, those submissions. Uh, John Whitson, my buddy. Uh, Boomer Bevo podcast and Brian O'Haver joins us today. Of course, Parker Thune as well. And John, I guess I'll ask you. I, I don't know what your confidence level has been like. I'm going to guess it's pretty positive and pretty confident. Have you gotten more or less confident as the week has uh, rolled on here? You know, it starts out with it always starts out with the doubt, right? Like, can we do this? Are we as good? Texas is ranked higher. They beat Bama, et cetera, et cetera. But as the week has progressed, I realized one immutable fact is that we own Texas since 2000. It's true. We own them. And we have beaten better teams than this from the University of Texas since 2000. I feel incredibly confident. I like the direction of the team. Kevin and I, in our most recent podcast, broke down the uh, statistics for each position and compared them to each other. We compare incredibly incredibly favorably to this team. And I think that it's going to be the University of Oklahoma over Texas on Saturday. Parker, what about you? You uh, locked OU as soon as you could on Sunday night. So that's that's very confident Sunday evening. Have you gotten more or less confident about OU's chances now I, that we're uh, midway point here? I don't feel like my opinion has changed drastically. Obviously, I think there are more paths to victory for Texas than for Oklahoma, but I also think Texas is going to be – really really confident coming into this game Tyler and with good reason they won this game 49 to nothing last year and they're 5 and 0 in the number 3 team in the nation heading into the matchup this year but when Texas has gotten a step ahead of themselves when they've gotten a little too high figuratively speaking what always ends up happening fall flat on their face Bingo. and everyone uh, points and makes fun of them yeah that's what i that's what I hope happens on Saturday. So, John, you and I were on the same podcast today. Uh, Texas Sports Unlimited, a couple of my buddies do a really good job with that. It's just uh, it's a podcast, YouTube live show, like 12 hours a day they're talking uh, Texas sports. They do a good job with it. And I, I don't know the feel that you got with the two hosts that you were on. We were on two different shows today. But I, I can just tell, though, though the – they were asking me questions about OU. There was a tone, as you would expect. Texas is extremely confident heading into this game. There was, but I was struck by the fact that they are actually worried about our running game. Really? They were worried about our third and huh. fourth down conversion running game. And I, I couldn't quite grasp what they were thinking about, except for the fact that, you know, they just – I don't think Texas believes the 49 nothing. They tried to convince themselves for a year – by saying it over and over in every tweet they put out and every signature line they have on all their emails, whatever the case may be. I still don't think they believe that that actually occurred and they have a ton of PTSD from the last 10 years. So I just, it's really fascinating. You felt the confidence. I actually felt 
a little bit of nervousness. And maybe for them it's Wednesday midweek nervousness, but I felt it. I, I mean, they asked for my final score prediction, and they were like, you know, essentially like, come on, you're, you're, <laughs> you're not going to pick OU to win this game, are you? Like, Seriously? You're, you're going to pick OU to win this game? No, I'm joking a little bit, but you can tell that that side is, uh, is, is very, very confident. If they don't want to believe 49 nothing happened, um, they can ask me. You and I were sitting next to each other. We were there. It unfortunately did happen a year ago. The only and, and that's one of the great things about Saturday, not only getting a chance at revenge, but just getting that game out of the way. Thank God. I don't have to talk, hopefully I don't have to talk about that one anymore. Uh, it was it's been a long year. It was the worst. I mean, that's that's clearly the worst Texas game any of us have ever experienced. It's the first OU Texas game I've ever left early. I just had to get out of there. I couldn't stand it. I did not want to be around Texas fan at all. And normally when you leave the stadium after a loss, Texas fan is relentless, right? OU sucks, the whole thing. It just rains down on you. We do the same thing to them. It's a terrible feeling. But I almost got the sense last year when we left, they didn't even want to, like, associate themselves with us. They were like – they were they didn't even want to – look at us for fear that the stench from that game was going to rub off on them. It was a horrible, horrible feeling. We've got to wipe it out of our mouths, and we've got to take revenge Greatest on Greatest sporting event of my entire life happened the year before. Worst sporting event of my entire life yeah. happened the next year. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll see what uh, this year has in store. We'll, we'll get to those text line submissions uh, coming up here in a few minutes. Again, 405-651-3439. What's the confidence level at right now compared to early in the week? Well, OU got a 2026 running back commit yesterday, really out of the blue. And, Parker, I guess today has been – all about the crystal balls and future casts and everything else. We, we, we've got a lot of uh, new predictions that are out there, and let's start in state with 2025 athlete from Carl Albert, Marcus James, six foot three, 210 pounds, 2025 class in the state. And I believe it was on, what was it, Monday, maybe last Friday, uh, we were running down on rivals, the top 10 players in the state, and saying, geez. Oh, you could get eight, nine of the top ten players in the state next year, and Marcus James is listed there, and now there's some predictions rolling in that OU is going to continue to clean house up there at Carl Albert. Yeah, well, I've had a prediction in for Marcus James since I believe late July. This is one. Uh, this is a recruitment in which OU's been in pretty good shape for quite some time now, and obviously with the proximity, with Oklahoma being a pretty early offer, obviously having his quarterback. Kevin Sperry committed and Oklahoma's strong ties to Carl Albert between Sperry and Xavier Robinson uh, and the, the offers that they've made to basically every single other elite athlete that is at Carl Albert, Trene Washington, Tristan Haynes, etc. There was always going to be a very good chance that Marcus James committed early to Oklahoma over any and all of the other offers that he held and or will hold. I, I'm of the opinion that Marcus James is committed to the Sooners by the end of the calendar year and potentially much sooner. Dang, this 2025 class just already off to a nice start. And, man, it's going to get harder and harder Like for, for the uh, small amount of Carl Albert holdouts who haven't committed yet. And Marcus James is one of those. When you've got Xavier Robinson, when you've got Kevin Sperry there, I'm, uh, I, I'm sure that there's some added pressure, if you want to call it that, John, for all those Coral Albert kids that have been offered to just say, you know what, I'm going to do what the rest of my teammates are doing and just commit to OU. Let's just do that. Well, you know, under the previous regime, we struggled with in-state recruiting, lost some big names, and 
you know, we wanted to see, is this going to change? And it has. Demonstrably, it has changed. We're starting to pull in recruits. We're, we're coming up with creative ways to keep in-state talent in, whether it's preferred walk-ons, whatever the case. And when you start talking about being able to sign eight or nine of the top ten in the 25 class out of the state, I think you're seeing the SEC factor. I think in addition to it being OU, which should have been a factor enough, now you're seeing the SEC factor. And you're like, okay, well, I could go to Oklahoma State. I could go out of state. But why? Oklahoma gives me everything I want, plus they're in the SEC. It's it's fascinating to watch, and I think it's only going to secure our foothold on recruiting in the state of Oklahoma. Especially for a defensive player, right? Like Danny Okoye, who maybe wasn't giving OU much of a thought because they weren't playing great defense. Now there is, um, if you're a defensive player, I feel like defensive players more than offensive players want to go to the SEC, right? So it's it's, it's like two good things right here. You, You get to go to the SEC and play now if you're an elite defensive prospect in the state. And now this program is playing good defense, so you can play good defense, be put in, a, in the best spot possible in the elite defensive conference in the country. So it's, it's, it's worked out well thus far. Uh, there is a new Daniel Akinkumi prediction in as well. He's going to commit in, what, eight days coming up on October 12th? Um, that one's looked like OU for a while, Parker. I, I don't know what else we can say about that. I, I, I guess the question now is, what are the odds that Daniel Akinkumi is indeed the next ad for the 2024 class? Is something else going to happen in eight days, or should we count on Akinkumi being the next ad? Well, uh, let's just let's consider that 48 hours ago, Tyler, we could have made 100 guesses as to who the next commit would be, and we probably would not have landed on Jonathan Hatton. So That's no doubt about ob- that. Obviously, there is precedent for a surprise. But I think the safe bet is that Daniel Akinkunmi is your next commit on October 12th. Yes, there is nothing that I know of that is supposed to happen between now and then. Obviously, you beat Texas, and I, I you beat Texas convincingly. And obviously, Ooh, stuff let's go. Oh, like let's stuff. Go. Parker's talking dirty today. Well, in the first segment. stuff could start to change. <laughs> I mean, I, there could stop. be some pretty immediate momentum there on the recruiting trail. But all in all, I would say it is more likely that Daniel Akinkumi more so than anybody else is your next commit. While Parker is saying that, uh, Paul Feinbaum is on the TV here at Brown O'Haver, and you just missed it, John. He's got Texas at number four in his four playoff teams. But right before that, it was, well, is Texas on upset, upset alert this weekend against Oklahoma? I guess that's how uh, the SEC Network and Feinbaum I, are Okay, okay, okay. That's, for, let's just all collectively acknowledge that that entire subject at least the way that it is phrased that entire topic of conversation is fundamentally stupid that is that is what (laughs) that is what network talk television has come to is texas on upset alert they're playing the number 12 team in the country first off if oklahoma wins that game it's not that big of an upset sure it might be an upset in the sense that vegas favors texas but it's not that much of an upset anyway. And secondly, Oklahoma is the number 12 team in the country. These teams, in terms of their overall talent level, are not that far separated from one another. It's not like we're talking about Alabama and Vanderbilt here. Sounds like we need to get Parker on the uh, screen debating Paul Feinbaum and not Heather Dinich. Because Parker would actually put up a fight against the mouth of the South on this argument. Is Texas on upset alert? Boy, the, the SEC, John, is just going to be shocked. Feinbaum's going to be shocked. 
if uh, little old Oklahoma pulls this one out on Saturday. Well, that's what – Go that, figure. Kevin and I were talking about that, and we're both – you know, we're obviously entering the SEC next year with Texas. It To me, it feels like the SEC hates Texas and sees – and kind of sees Oklahoma as just like a like a cousin coming along for the ride. Like, that's the vibe I get. I feel like we're kind of almost – because we're going in with Texas – in a weird way, we're going in under the radar, and I think it's a great place for us to be and a horrible place for Texas to be because they don't deal well with that. Well, they're, they're just so easily they're, they're so easily hateable, right? Like, they just get so, uh, like, the horns down. Oh, how dare you say anything about their do the horns down? Like, they're just so easily offended. It's not the right conference for them in that respect. But you just point at the TV, yes. I promise we're not going to be mentioning what happens on the Paul Feinbaum show all day long. But they go from is OU or is Texas on upset alert against Oklahoma? Then they show a graphic that says, "Well, Texas or OU has the second best chance according to the FPI to make the playoff." So beautiful, yeah. beautiful content thus far. Hey, uh, great, Parker. I, I I didn't get to hear yesterday. Can you can you tell me why um, getting the commitment from this twenty twenty six running back is a big deal? And what are the odds? Well, first of all, what's the rationale in offering him so early? And what are the odds that he truly maintains his commitment for the next, I don't know, two and a half years? He's a sophomore, so a while. Yeah, Yeah. well, this is is the earliest commit of the modern recruiting era for Oklahoma. Bray Walker committed in November of his sophomore year. He previously held that distinction. Jonathan Hatton just committed in October of his sophomore year. So in the modern recruiting era – he jumped on board with Oklahoma earlier than anybody else ever has. I, I mean, look, this is the number 69 player. Shout out to Teddy Lehman nice. in the 2026 Easy. recruiting cycle. Number 69 overall player at that. So this is a guy that is very highly regarded nationally, an eval that DeMarco Murray was comfortable with. And when I talked to Hatton last night, I asked him straight up because I knew everybody would want to know. Like, man, you realize what Oklahoma's policy is for commits as far as taking visits elsewhere is, right? He said, yeah, I felt like I'd seen all I needed to see. I already knew where I wanted to go, and I shouldn't wait. So uh, make no mistake, the kid understands the weight that a commitment to Oklahoma carries, and he's perfectly content with it. Jonathan Hatton out of the city of San Antonio, just like you, John. Not bad. Oh, I, I did hear a little bit of it. You know what? I did hear a little bit when you all started. You, you had said, well, I don't think it's a real hotbed. There's actually a good number of San Antonio players that had played at Oklahoma. Oh, we mentioned, yeah, Dimitri Flowers, correct. Uh, Travis Lewis, Trevor, Jacob Gutierrez, Trevor Knight. Trevor Knight, Connor Knight as well. Yeah, don't, don't forget his, his brother there, John. So there's Thomas Lott. Thomas Lott, of course. So I, like, over the years, it's not like, oh, we got no. to get in San Antonio. But OU's pulled some good players there. And, and, and what is San Antonio an hour away from Austin to go so sure. get a top five running back that early an hour away from Austin? That's a that's a nice little flex. Absolutely. For the 26 class. Uh, 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I am at Brown O'Haver today with my buddy John Whitson. And uh, I know you got a few examples for us. You want to go ahead and list one real quick? Absolutely. What's you know what? So Brown O'Haver, we're public insurance adjusters. We work for the insured not the insurance company. Uh, and so it's our job to get you more money more quickly. We had a client of ours that had a fire, damaged their home and personal property. Our team swiftly worked to prepare a full list, which resulted in our client receiving their full policy limit in less than six weeks. That doesn't happen if you do it yourself. 
It just doesn't. There's too much red tape, too much administrative work to get somebody paid and back on their back on their feet and beginning the real uh, rebuilding process in six weeks. It's unheard of in the industry. That's what we try to accomplish at Brown O'Haver. More OU Cruton, more OU Texas right here on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, John Whitson of the Boomer Bevo podcast is with us, and you, the Ref Army as well. St. Joseph's, Missouri is tuned in today via our free Ref app. Just search KREF in the App Store. Littleton, Colorado, Tucson, Arizona, Kaufman, Texas, Jackson, Mississippi, Jacksonville, Florida, Clinton, Maryland, Holton, Kansas, uh, Gadsden, Alabama, and for our small town of the day this week, I was going to go with uh, small towns that have seen uh, OU Texas success before, someone that went to high school there. Yesterday, uh, who did we go with yesterday? I'm trying to remember who we went with yesterday. Today we are going with uh, Fort Gibson. There was uh, – Allegedly, some guy there that made a big play in this game. Before. Rocky Kalmus was fantastic. Rocky was fantastic. He was so good in 2000. In that, in that 2000 he was so line. good in 2000. Love that. Nice. Not everyone gets that inside joke on the show, but I feel about 85%. Oh, the Army does. Too. The Army does, for yeah, sure. Ref Army does, for sure. Uh, okay, real quick, John. When you think of classic OU Texas recruiting battles historically, who is the first name that comes to mind? Either it was a win for OU, it was a loss for OU, but you think of a classic OU recruiting battle. Is there a particular name that comes to mind? I mean, the top of the list, you just got to go with the best player, and it's Adrian Peterson. I mean, to be able to recruit Adrian Peterson, we had five years of winning, right? Or up until that point, three years, I guess, when he, when he probably when he committed. And it was winning those games. If we would have lost those games, clearly, we wouldn't have gotten Adrian Peterson, who was probably the best running back. Um, maybe in the history of the University of Oklahoma, which is saying something, right? I mean, that's that's a yeah. bold statement. And so, if we had to, can you imagine even for a second seeing him in burnt orange? It would have been well, absolutely and, horrible. And, and Textline can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I don't think that I am. I, I guess it would have been the 03 game because he was a freshman in 04. Right. Texas was the home team in that game in 03. I think AD was there at the game, and we rolled him. And we they rolled them by 52 points, and I yeah. think that Adrian Peterson was like there uh, for a Texas visit yeah. at that game, but he was throwing the horns down over there on the sideline <laughs> to OU fans after the game. I, I feel like that is correct. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you have to. I think you have to start and end with Adrian Peterson. I mean, that's uh, such a key pivotal pickup for for Oklahoma and for to pull him out of Texas. I mean, all the storylines, and then obviously what he went on to do uh, at OU and and then the pros. To me, that, that story sticks out above all others. Yeah. Thank you, Lane in California. Yeah, Jason White, uh, Tuttle was a small town of the day yesterday. Made a few big plays in this game as well. Tuttle, Oklahoma was a Fantastic. small town of the day. Uh, Parker, a new EPL, Eddie Pierre-Louis prediction is now in for OU. You don't you say. Br- yeah, you and Brandon had this two, two and a half weeks ago, whatever, but – are, are, are we giving this potential get enough credit? Like, we, we talk so much, and I, I'm kind of using the royal we here, not just you and I, like this this fan base, the fans that follow recruiting. We're, we're so focused on Grant Bricks. Like, oh, Grant Bricks can really make this an offensive line class. I mean, Rivals has got him ranked as a top 30 player nationally. I know the other two services don't, but are we giving this potential ad the attention that it deserves. I don't think so, and I think part of that is just because this has been such a quiet recruitment, and honestly, a recruitment in which UCF had the upper hand for a span of many months. And so it's only recently, I would say within the last 
eight weeks that Oklahoma has really emerged as the school that very clearly has the upper hand. And even so, I wasn't confident enough in some of the stuff I was hearing behind the scenes to drop a prediction in favor of Oklahoma until about a week and a half ago. So uh, this is one where you've just gradually, gradually, very quietly watched Oklahoma make up ground and make up ground and make up ground to the point where I now consider them the outright leader in the school that uh, is in the driver's seat to get the kid's commitment. It obviously helps a ton when he goes to UCF on a weekend in which they blow a 28-point lead in the third quarter. <laughs> like that's, that's not insignificant. That's good pub for the University of Oklahoma. But uh, he'll be back in town again October 21st to watch Oklahoma play UCF. So if the decision isn't made by then, you have the chance to slam the door shut in this recruitment by proving once and for all that you are the superior program. Like, like you've taken the lead on him, essentially, but you still have your best punch. Like, you still have the official visit for a Florida kid happening here in a couple of weeks. And, and I don't know how necessarily unique that is, Parker, but it feels like OU's been able to take the lead. Like, if you were to take the lead for a Florida kid over a program like UCF, it feels like most of the time that would happen after an official visit. Like, he just takes his OV and he's blown away. Okay, OU's my new leader. But that's that's happened without that OV, and now it's going to happen here in a couple of weeks. And there's reasons to be optimistic now. And with the with the visit coming up in a couple of weeks, like, yeah, there's a lot of reasons to feel good there. Hey, Parker, when when guys are this late in their decision-making, I'm, I'm guessing this guy, this guy is a 24. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. So when we're this late in our decision-making, how – important is it to get a win at texas like does does that have the real possibility or we just talked about it with adrian peterson does it have the real possibility of swaying kids or do or do kids typically have the foresight to maybe look past a single game i i would say it depends on the kid right and it depends on the specifics of the situation i don't know that there is a blanket answer to that question I think a win over Texas is probably going to do a lot more for some of the recruits that are considering both schools. And I would I would look primarily recruits in the Lone Star State as ones that are going to really, you know, kind of see their antenna go up in the aftermath of an Oklahoma win over Texas. Because at that point, you know, you hear that you've heard the Baker Mayfield soundbite regurgitated throughout the week. You come to Oklahoma to beat Texas. Well, a lot of Texas kids are going to see a video clip like that. They're going to watch Oklahoma beat Texas. They're going to be mindful of the pending move of the SEC, and they're going to go, man, I don't got to stay in the Lone Star State to compete at an elite level. I can go to Oklahoma. I should go to Oklahoma. I need to go to Oklahoma. So I think Texas recruits most specifically are the guys that you look at this game as having a big impact on. That said, Eddie Pierre-Louis – I. Does he have Texas in his top five, or am I just completely making that up? I'm trying to think. No, I'm mistaken. His top five is Oklahoma, Oregon, Miami, UCF, and then it's Texas A&M, not Texas. But but, but he, even without a Texas, though, does does do losses factor into their decision-making? You, know, you look at, like, an Oregon. If Oregon continues to win and Oklahoma was to stumble over the next couple weeks, is that something that it, guys like this are finicky about? 
or, or or is that more what fans are finicky about well, and just kind of put that out on onto recruits? Yeah, again, there's there's no blanket answer. I would say without question, fans are a lot more finicky over losses than players are. Like I remember when Oklahoma lost to Kansas State uh, last year, and you had people on the message boards going, "Well, X recruit is gone. Y recruit gone. Z recruit gone." That's the way fans think. That's typically not the way recruits operate. Santa John, uh, the daily question that we always bring up because, well, it's very important right now for this class. What's the latest on Michael Boganowski and Grant Bricks? Those are two totally different players, and it feels like they're maybe in two totally different places. Like Michael Boganowski, a decision could come soon, and Grant Bricks, well, who knows? Giant question mark still. Yeah, I, I believe Boganowski's decision is made by the end of the month, as I mentioned. I just I, I don't know what the timeline is on Bricks. I really don't. Nobody does. Not even the kid does. And it is literally all about proximity versus football excellence at this point because Nebraska is 2-3 and three with wins over Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech. There is no conceivable reason, save for proximity, why that kid would pick Nebraska over Oklahoma right now especially when you consider where both of those programs are headed, both literally and figuratively. So that's, I mean, that's the battle right now for Bricks. It's can Oklahoma close this thing out with the promise of elite development? And not only that, but is elite development something that matters enough to the kid to make him wander outside his comfort zone? Mike and Weatherford making this case for Weatherford to make an appearance for Small Town of the Day. He says, all right, if Fort Gibson is Small Town of the Day, Weatherford should get it. But I listen over a VPN, so maybe it doesn't show me as there. Home of Wes Sims, Lance Donnelly, Russell Dennison, Trent Rattery, and current Sooner Ethan Downs, and hopefully future well, Sooner C.J. Nixon. Well, I got bad news for you, Mike and Weatherford. Weatherford doesn't qualify. It does not make the cut. It is not eligible for selection. As the KREF small town of the day. Over 10,000? It is over 10,000. Mm. My apologies. You know what I always thought what, what that, that text reminds me of is when you would go to McAllister's when they first opened up and they would have the pictures of the OU players and they had Russell Dennison as one of the pictures up yeah, there. Yeah, let's go. And I was just always fast. Like I would sit there thinking to myself, did he do something that I am unaware of that deserved him getting a picture put up? At McAllister's. He, but, well, uh, he was just always the guy on special teams that yes. was, okay, he's about to kill someone here. No, he, no. He is, he's about to destroy someone. Here he goes. I know, but every time I'm drinking, you know, sweet tea there at, at McAllister's. He didn't accomplish as much as Adrian Peterson and Jason White, whoever was else up on that Rocky wall. Rocky Kalmus. Yeah. Rocky Kalmus, but apparently that dude was a beast in the weight room. Um, he's just, he, he, I mean, in terms of special teams players, like guys covering punts and kickoffs, like he, he might be the most famous guy when it comes to that. No, he it's got to be Ron L. Lewis, right? Uh, the hammer, uh, that'd be the he, hammer. Ron L. Lewis or even, uh, even in myth, even maybe if it's only in myth, yeah. it was Ron L. Lewis for me. The hammer was fantastic. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We're at Brown O'Haver today. And if you've experienced a loss from fire, theft, tornado, or water, you need to call Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. That's 405-735-5510. We'll get to your text and relive some of the most memorable OU Texas recruiting battles throughout the past 50 years. Coming up next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on The Ref, we are the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune. 
my buddy John Whitson of the Boomer Bevo podcast and with Brown O'Haver as well. Greg from Lawton on the text line says, happy hump day, gentlemen, and oh yeah, Texas sucks. Texas sucks is in all caps with three exclamation marks there. Is Wednesday the toughest day of OU Texas week, John? Like Monday, you just got done with the game, and Texas week is here. Hate Texas week. You're fired up, fired up in a Tuesday. Wednesday, it's just like, just God, just get me a Thursday. Yeah, it's like Thursday, man. It's like December 22nd. You know, it's not even the day before Christmas Eve. It's the day before the day before. And it's just, you you can't wait to get till Friday morning when you start, you know, loading the car up, heading down there, deciding if you're going to take 77 instead of 35, trying to figure out if you're going to go through Sherman. Like, you get to start making decisions on Thursday night, Friday morning. Wednesday is just nothing. You're just sitting around going, why can't this already be here? And what is unbelievable about it is it's going to be over in, in, a, few, in a few short days, and it's going to be like, when's this going to happen again? Like, this is... This is the best week of the year, dude. It is. It's absolutely the best week of the year. And it could be the best meal of the year on Saturday. Say it all the time. It's not Thanksgiving. It's not Christmas. Uh, Saturday night, after you beat Texas, is the uh, best meal of the year. Normally, you're eating steak. At least I am. So well, that helps out quite a bit. But the, food tastes be- the food tastes better. The beer tastes colder. The dessert is sweeter. Everything is better when you beat Texas. Bumpy Road says, dream scenario, Oklahoma hosts Texas in the college football playoff. That'll have to be next year in the 12-team format, but it was nuts when they played in the Big 12 championship. Um, and, and it's always been, you know, split down the middle, but it wasn't then. Like, fans were intermingled. The whole horns down, 15-yard penalty was just a thing a few weeks before. Woo, buddy. Uh, that was uh, that was awesome. And if Texas ever comes here, if OU goes to Austin for a playoff game, yeah, that'll be that'll be wild. It'll be insane. Um. I mean, we're going to have a rematch this year, though, too, right? We can almost pencil it in, can't we? I mean, that's how Parker's bad it is. Uh, Parker's been asking that uh, all week long to guest, and I feel like everyone's been saying yes, and I, I'm guessing Parker's saying yes to that, too, because I, no, I think so. I okay. just heard hesitation in Parker's voice. Well, Parker, or- well, you said pencil it in, and momentarily I was a little – it sounded a little bit like rat poison to me, John. But, <laughs> no, I think – yeah, you can pencil it in. I guess I, I, I would pencil it in. I wouldn't sharpie it in because both of these teams still have to take care of business. And uh, can we trust Oklahoma and can we trust Texas to do those things of their own accord? I trust Oklahoma a little bit more than I trust Texas because Texas is Texas. But even so, you still got half a season to play before that potential rematch would take place. No, I completely agree, and you're right. I absolutely trust Oklahoma, and apparently the FPI trusts Oklahoma too more than they trust Texas. However, I so severely distrust the rest of the Big Twelve. There, it's it's. I've never seen us down so bad. You know, with Baylor as bad as they are, Oklahoma State as bad as they are, Iowa State as bad as they are. This is a. a look and the Texas teams really aren't giving you anything. Hang on. No, either. no, they're not giving you anything. Shocker. Texas Tech barely wins the other day. I mean, you know, the road going through Lubbock was what a joke. So it's just uh, the reason I pencil it in is the same reason I picked Oklahoma for eleven wins is not because. I have so much faith in Oklahoma, even though I do, and I have more and more faith as the season goes on. But I think I've just – we've all been proven more and more right that the Big 12 is way, 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 way down this year. All it's- I heard there, John, was I heard you refer to the Big 12 as us. That's not <laughs> okay. us anymore, John. Come on now. Good point. The Come commissioner on. isn't even going to be like- there. The SEC commissioner is going to be there. Str- you're right. You're right. I deserve to be censored on that one. You're absolutely right, 100%. 
They are terrible. They suck, and I can't wait to get out of this crap conference. How about that? I love that. Uh, that's I, Keep that same energy Absolutely. until 6 p.m. I love that. 903 says, Isaiah Mosey update. Will he visit OU soon? Seems like he has been everywhere else, really, or, or, or everywhere else early in the season. Spots at receiver for 2025 are filling up. And, Parker, you and I both think that they will always keep a spot open for Isaiah Mosey, but is that a – is that a guarantee for OU at receiver? That they keep a spot open for Isaiah Mosey? No, or the, the, that Mosey ends up in OU's class? The, the latter, yes. Okay. Uh, no, I wouldn't consider it a guarantee. I would consider it a very high probability that he ends up at OU's class. At, like, he's still considering Oregon. He's still considering Tennessee. I mean, he takes visits to Missouri mostly because the whole LSN crew goes to Missouri because that's where Williams Winery is committed for the moment. But I, I just, I mean, that kid's wanted to be a Sooner all his life. And if he doesn't make the decision to play for Emmett Jones in the end, I'll be shocked both because of his background and because Emmett Jones is Emmett Jones. Uh, here are the uh, OU Texas recruiting battles, ones that matter the most. Uh, here we go. Earl Campbell is listed first. What's the story with Earl, Earl Campbell, that he woke up on decision day and saw an orange car drive by outside <laughs> of his window, and he saw that as a sign, and he picked Texas? I believe that's the story with Earl Campbell. Tommy Harris is listed second. Won that one, huh? Bluest of blue chips down there in the central Texas area and uh, made his presence felt on his first, uh, first college snap ever. One of the best covers ever on Sports Illustrated, Tommy Harris. Oh, it's, oh it's my so gosh, dude. So good. I don't know if they've had one like it since with what? Tommy Harris. I, you mean one like that one? Well, one better than that one. Oh, yeah. No, no. I don't know if they have. The Tommy Harris one was fantastic. Derek Johnson, that one didn't go your way. Linebacker out of Waco, class of 2001. Ended up being a good player for UT. Jamarcus McFarland, defensive <laughs> tackle uh, in the 2009 class who was a five-star. Everybody wanted Jamarcus McFarland. Oh, you won out on that one. Congratulations. Justin Blaylock, an offensive lineman, picks Texas in the class of 02. Sergio Kendall was a dude uh, out of Dallas. He picked Texas in 06. Brian Pickerel, defensive end out of Jinx in the state of Oklahoma, picked Texas in the 02 class. There was Roy Miller, uh, Adrian Peterson. They list Adrian Peterson, like, way too far down on this list. But that is uh, – like Marcus Dupree, I didn't mention Marcus Dupree on this list, did I? Well, you got Marcus Dupree, Billy Marcus Sims. Marcus Dupree. Billy Sims. Marcus Dupree, Billy Sims. Like the five best recruiting wins, four or five best recruiting wins OU's ever had over Texas. Marcus Dupree, Adrian Peterson, Billy Sims, um, who, who, uh, Tommy well, Harris. Did we beat out for Bosworth? I, that was more A&M, I think. Okay, for, okay. For Bos. You're right, you're right. Um, that's definitely the top four. And we gotta we gotta think of a fifth here, or maybe we just go top four. But that that feels like a pretty good feels like a pretty good top four at this point. Those are some major uh, players in the in, in OU football history there. To take Billy out of Texas, I think, was huge because you were competing with, um, you were competing with Texas when they were at the height of their running game. We were at the height of our running game. It was good on good. That Billy Sims win was 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 a huge recruiting battle. And, of course, it ends up that it probably led to the recruitment of Marcus Dupree because Billy Sims flies down there in a private jet in a fur coat, and that doesn't hurt that recruit either. So, uh, those are, God, those are great stories. Jack Mildren, Joe Washington, says the text line. 
Now, now this is a fun OU Texas Week conversation, reliving the uh, massive recruiting wins that you've had over those guys in their own state historically. Don't don't hate that one at all. 405-651-3439. We'll get to more text and some OU recruiting as well. Uh, we'll wrap up Locked In next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, John Whitson. We're at Brown O'Haver today. And if you've experienced a loss from fire, theft, tornado, or water, you need to call Brown O'Haver. Brown O'Haver routinely gets clients 30 to 40% more money over than doing it on their own. And don't, hey, if you don't want to listen to me, that's fine. John's just about to give you an, an example, another example of how Brown O'Haver routinely gets clients 30 to 40% more. What do you got? Most people think of Brown O'Haver, they think of residential homes, being a homeowner, getting hit by a tornado, something like that. Our bigger, our, one of our bigger client bases are commercial buildings and working with folks that own businesses and things of that nature. We had a client out of Tulsa that had used us um, in the past. He had waited to use us. He'd, he'd waited for the insurance company to give them an offer and whatever the case may be, and then hire us to only pay for the difference. That's a perfectly fine way to hire us. But after the storms on uh, Father's Day in Tulsa, he decided, decided to hire us on day one. His, his commercial uh, building received substantial damage from the wind. The client hired us to assist them from the beginning. We helped work through the mitigation, met with the adjuster, ass- assessed the damages, and we were able to get them an initial estimate and payment of over $450,000 within four weeks. Man. Okay. In four weeks, that may be the most impressive thing. Well, that's the thing, right? So he had been, he had always done the, the, the well, let's see what the insurance company pays, and then, and then I'll work with you in the future, and, and we'll deal with it that way. And that's fine. That's fine if you, if you feel like that's a better way. But I'm telling you what, if you're listening out there, you want to hire us on day one. We get you more money more quickly. And the more quickly when you're trying to rebuild your business, you're trying to rebuild your home, it matters. The time factor matters. In some cases, it can be more frustrating than, frustrating than the money. So give Brown O'Haver a call if you've had an insurable loss, 405-735-5510. Parker, I mentioned earlier today that it's been a day of predictions rolling in for OU. Marcus James, uh, athlete at Coral Albert, 2025. Another one for Daniel Akinkumi to OU. He's announcing in eight days. Another one for Eddie Pierre-Louis. I did see another in-state kid get a crystal ball today, and it's Whit Edwards, six foot five, 200 pounds, the edge out of Wagner to Vanderbilt, which means I think Vandy has – what, two in-states? Yep. Well, I guess only one in-state commits, but it uh, feels like Whit Edwards could be close to committing to Vandy as well. Yeah, they got the uh, – or they're gunning for three consecutive years making a play into the state of Oklahoma for a guy that at minimum was a three-star. They got the big defensive lineman, and for the life of me, I can't remember what his name was, uh, big defensive lineman from Union last year that signed with Vanderbilt. I should know this, and I don't. I've got too much going on in my head right now. But, yeah, I, I like Vanderbilt for Whit Edwards right now. And then, obviously, they've got Caden Knighton committed, uh, the running back out of Winniewood in the class of 2025. I know you saw Michael Hawkins uh, last week, but Rivals had an update on the top quarterbacks in this class and how they're faring thus far. Here's the small paragraph on Michael Hawkins. Listen closely to this. Okay. Looks so-so at the Elite 11 this summer. 
But the Frisco Emerson four-star is having a phenomenal senior season. Now, this is the part where everyone needs to listen. He's completing 75% of his passes for 1,236 yards, and most impressively, he has a 20-0 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. Hawkins also has four rushing touchdowns. So 24 total touchdowns, Parker, and zero turnovers, or at least zero interceptions. Not yeah, bad. that'll fly. He's mm-hmm. also got Frisco Emerson at 6-0, and and they'll be 7-0 and after doing battle with an 0-6 Frisco Memorial team tomorrow afternoon. So, uh, yeah, so they look good. He looks good. So what we're saying is we'll take the player that performs well in games and at the highest <laughs> level of football in Texas over, oh. over a, pretty, a pretty weak camp performance. I'm in. I, well, well I yes, and like I thought, some Arch Manning slander was about to happen. Oh there. boy! I well, so no, I don't even think did Arch did Arch even go to camps? No, he yeah. never went to camps, and that was one of the big knocks on him. But Michael Hawkins, so he was dealing with a thumb injury when he went to the Elite Eleven, and so he was he was just so so. That's fair, but it's worth acknowledging that in every other camp performance he's ever been in, the kid has dominated, including winning quarterback MVP at our rivals camp down in Dallas back in May. 24, 24 to zero though. It, Touchdown intercept. Are you kidding me? That's unbelievable. It's pretty good. Uh, real quick, uh, before we hit the top of the hour, here was a um, national recruiting analyst on Reggie Powers, recent OU offer a couple of weeks ago. Physically strong, well-built prospect who also has a basketball background, has been to events and verified size, and also put up solid testing numbers, which includes good agility times in his size, has good play speed, is aggressive, and shows instincts and ability to diagnose plays and run support. And just, just kind of bragging up Reggie Powers there. Should OU feel good about Reggie Powers here? I know we got like 20 seconds left, but what's what's the situation there? They should feel optimistic about Reggie Powers. I don't know if you can feel good about a kid like that until he visits. All right, the rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.